I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. So Rob, for the second week in a row, we have a very special guest. We do. This week we have Matthew Thwaites, Guild Lead at Big Time. Matthew, it's great to have you joining us on the Mint One podcast this week. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me on today. Awesome. Um, so your role at Big Time is as Guild Lead. Now, gets another one of those kind of Web3 terms, uh, so to speak. Could you kind of explain what your role is within the Big Time team? It's interesting that you say it's a Web3 term because I actually think it harkens back more to Web2. You think of something like World of Warcraft, where those were kind of the quintessential guilds. You had your Alliance, you had Horde. But in the last like couple of years, it's taken on somewhat of a different definition. And when we talk about guilds in big time, we're actually probably closer to the Web th- Web 2 definition than, in, than to the Web 3 one. Essentially, guilds are large player unions, people who team up together, work together, run through dungeons, and then also own some NFTs as well. They're a big part of our community. They're a big part of the way they run through their games. And I try to be their single point of contact into big time. So if they have questions about blockchain or the game or upcoming releases, I'm the button they're able to push and come to. Awesome. So, obviously, you're, you're talking to two massive um, MMO fanboys here in, in me and Rob. So, you know, both of us are, you know, very familiar with guilds and with, you know, being a part of these kind of massively multiplayer RPG worlds. Um, but from a guild perspective and from a kind of a collective group kind of party gameplay experience, what will Big Time offer that's different from your traditional Web 2 games? You know, your World of Warcraft, your Final Fantasies, Guild Wars, etc. The main thing is innovative gameplay and ownership of items. Those two things, honestly. So our game is MMO style for sure, but it's a different style. There's, there's no doubt on that one. Um, it's like a mixture of World of Warcraft and Diablo in terms of gameplay, but it definitely does look different. And one of those things that's different is the character classes, which I'm sure we'll dive into here shortly. But you can switch between multiple character classes almost instantly inside of the game. And that's different, and it allows future gameplay expansions into a variety of different ways. But the main thing is the ownership. So I would argue that in a lot of Web2 games, you don't really own your items. You rent them, you buy them from the from the game manufacturer, and then you can use them inside the game, but there's limits to what you can do. You can't sell them, you can't change them, you certainly can't move them outside of the game. But by putting those items on chain or onto NFTs like we did, you do have that ownership. You can't move them outside the game, you can trade them, and that's a pretty big that's a pretty big change, particularly for people who really value cosmetics. Yeah, the, the game uh, actually reminds me a little bit of Wildstar. I'm not sure if you ever played it. It was a flash in the pan in the MMO world. Um, it was yet another WoW killer that didn't go ahead and do any killing. But uh, it, it was a, it was honestly it was a brilliant game, and there's there's some parallels, and it was a real shame it, it didn't work out. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about. Uh, ownership. So obviously we're big proponents of ownership in, in gaming and we firmly believe that, that Web3 will be an important step for the games industry as a whole. However, there's there's one common flaw and I'd be interested to know how big time um, is going to overcome that and that is pay to win. With ownership comes the opportunity for people to buy their way to the top of any game. Um, 
And although it is counterable, not every game has managed to. Is that something big time have looked at? Yeah, we don't have any pay-to-win mechanics inside of our game, so it makes it pretty easy. So there are mm. NFTs, there are there is land, but none of them contribute to in-game statistics or in-game advantages. So the okay. items are cosmetic. Um, they're like skins. They're they're skins that you can map over your swords or your or your weapons or your to change your appearance, but they don't give you a competitive advantage. And then while we right. do have land NFTs, it's really with the intent of forging and making your own cosmetics. So if you'd like to make stuff, similar mm. experience like what Minecraft players are used to, then you can do that inside a big time, but our mechanism is going to take place through space, which is our land. Okay. Awesome. I think from a, you know, from a traditional gamer's point of view, when as gamers, we inherently hate pay-to-win mechanics. I mean, just look at Diablo and Warsaw a couple of months back. Um, it, it's glad to hear that um, Big Time's taking that uh, taking that stance. That, you know, we're going to have NFTs, but we're not going to be pay-to-win. We're going to do things in a way that's more kind of friendly to the players, yeah. let's say. Um, so, you, you touched a little bit on the, the types of NFTs in big time there so um, from what I read um, on the website what I've experienced playing the game myself you've got your cosmetic NFTs you've got utility and then space uh, space NFTs they're, they're all obtainable uh, either via gameplay or via the marketplace and uh, I saw there was a, a little kind of uh, quote in your white paper it was along the lines of um, big time will never require you to require you to pay um, to play any additional content in the game so um, obviously that's not the case at the moment but I wanted to ask that um, would there be or will there be any plans or are there any plans in future for there to be any NFTs in big time that can't be obtained via regular gameplay no short answer is there's no plans I was trying to think if there was even uh, there's certainly no discussions of it I guess like theoretically like hundreds of years from now when the game is largely taken over the world um, by storm. Absolutely. Um, no. Um, no, there's no plans for that. And um, just to clarify, I mean, it's a free-to-play game right now. Um, you do need a pass to get in. That pass really is similar to a code that a traditional gamer is able to, to, to acquire. It just enables you to have access into the game, but you can't pay for it. And we actually, you can only get it from either a big time person or from one of our trusted partners. And if anybody tries to sell those passes, we actually ban those accounts pretty quickly. That's, That's what good I'd to like hear. to hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I would be remiss if I weren't to plug that Token Gamer is one of those trusted partners and we're giving away 50 Ruby passes right now Ooh. on tokengamer.io. Um, so I want to talk about the NFTs a little bit more because um, I think space is, is a bit of a confusing one if you haven't looked into it. So uh, when you guys first sent me a link to the spaces I was trying to work out the so they're utility heavy from from what I can tell but if someone were to go on um, nft.bigtime.gg which is your marketplace uh, you'll see that they range from sort of a hundred dollars all the way up to multiple thousands of dollars for this game item could you explain to the listeners what spaces are why they're you know a key part of the game and how they differ like you know how they differ from the price ranges okay so what what are they aesthetically in your mind the image i want you to have is think as each space is a room in a house and it's modular so if you have more space it's like adding more rooms onto your house 
And it all starts with your personal universe. Everybody's got at least one. And then you, as you get more space, you essentially bolt that onto each one. So if you have 100 space, you're mm -hmm. going to have 100 rooms. If you're going to have uh, well, just one space, then it's just going to be one extra room. But inside of that space, you, you really do control the, the layout, the look of it, and then ultimately adding the utility NFTs, which I'll get into next. The idea is something like what you saw in The Sims. It's a very customizable area. What do you do with it? You use it for one as a communal hangout area for you and some of your your trusted friends or guild partners, and then two to forge NFTs. So if you mm -hmm. want to make your own stuff, then you need to have space and then to enable your forges or armories, where you can then make those items. They all bolt onto space, and so okay. as you bolt them on there, you can forge and make your own stuff. In terms of this this the price and the rarity. Um, and the size of it, larger spaces are, have like a larger square footage on the inside, mm. square meterage, I think for some of the European crowd that is out there. I think I got that we one, do, right? We do a bit of both. Do a bit of both, <laughs> yeah. Um, and more rare items can create more rare NFTs. So, um, okay. rare items right now generally range in, in the quantity of like thousands, whereas an exalted item is like closer to like single digits. Mm. Cool. Okay. Let's um let's go away from the kind of the serious, you know, your Q and A format and into a completely kind of out of left field question here. What's your favorite class in big time? I uh, I think I'm going Chronomancer. Ooh, I, I, I spent most of the last few months doing as a time warrior to not much success. And uh, <laughs> and Chronomancer is going a lot better a lot more quickly. <laughs> Oh, Rob, I wonder what your uh, I wonder what your kind of stereotypical MMO character is. Are you are you the healer? You strike me as a healer. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't like that I strike you as a healer. I want to strike you as a warrior that happens to heal. But yes, yes, I do. I've I've played a healer for about for ten years. Although I was playing Time Warrior um, on Big Time, so uh, you know I, I'm having an identity crisis. But fortunately, and ah, oh, this this I. I'm too pleased with this segue not to point it out. Um, we could talk about how the classes work in, in big time because it's not a, the typical World of Warcraft where you pick a character, dump a thousand hours in, and if you don't like your class anymore, well, that's, that's that. So, um, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about how classes work? When you start the game, you can pick one of four character classes. And as you continue to play, you can pick up these items that are called pocket watches pocket watches of what your additional characters are tied to. So there's four of them right now. There's a possibility of more coming out in the future. But as you pick up those pocket watches, you can switch between them while you're either roaming the world or in a dungeon. And mm. you, the upside of being able to switch between character classes, you can balance your party pretty quickly. So let's say you're, you, you've got all the four pocket watches and you've got somebody who's like, hey, I need a, I want to be the time warrior. I want to be the tank characters I run through it. And the, you, you probably want to have a healer in any group. So you're like, okay, I'll be a healer this time, level up that character for a little bit, and then, hey, we'll swap over in the next one. You be the healer, I'll be the time warrior. But the idea is that you can switch between your character classes to level each one up independently, but that cycles advanced players with new players and additionally allows for us to expand in the future so as we add more worlds you can change the type of gameplay add another character class that is optimized to that type of uh that new type of world and new type of gameplay cool i've, I've seen uh, and also heard of and experienced in the game myself um the concept of gears can you explain what gears are and how they integrate into that system you mean like your equipment and stuff 
Yes. Yeah. So there's there's gear can appear in different ways, and uh, so so you have like your your NFTs which map onto whatever your equipment is and completely change the appearance. So functionally, it'll look it'll still have the same stats, but if you want to change the way it looks and presents to other people, then that's what the cosmetic NFTs can change. The, the gear is tied to your pocket watch, so you can pick up a certain number of items based on your pocket watch. The more rare the pocket watch you pick up, the more items that you can carry on the inside of it as well. You can add that gear essentially into your inventory. Hmm. So I, I don't want to be too positive because I think that's boring to listen to. So one of the, the downsides, I think, of being able to multi-class on the same character is that um, people perhaps lose that sense of identity. Um, they A lot of people identify with certain classes. I'm using the identify in the old sense of the word. Um, they'll identify with different classes and, and they will... Uh, they like to be like a specialist at that. Do you, is there still ways that people can make their character their own and show that they've put a lot of hours into it? Because you know that's what it's all about—really showing what you've, you know, what you've achieved. Two parts. I mean, if you want to specialize, you can. Nobody's forcing you to switch between character classes. So if you mm. just want to tank all the way, or I think in your case, if you want to heal all the way and do mm. nothing, no, I'm just joking. If you want to do nothing <laughs> by that, you 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 can do that to your heart's desire. Nobody's telling mm. you to switch. Um, and then in terms of like how you, you peacock a little bit, you kind of show off that like, hey, I'm uh, I'm not just like, f- you know, new to this game. I've been around block for a little bit. The main way that comes is through the NFT collection. And so mm. like, if you find those in-game cosmetics, you can aesthetically change your appearance to whatever you want it to be. And, mm. and, and so when you find a more rare item and you're running around... It's something that's very rare that people can visually see as opposed to just running around in your underwear. I think that's a pretty powerful statement that you're you're somebody people are going to want to partner up with. Hmm. Which yeah. is the opposite of to real life where running around in your underwear really is a power <laughs> statement, I think. Yeah, you either hmm. really want to know that person or really, really not. You know? Usually there's like not. No, Usually not. There's like no middle ground. No, not much. <laughs> very polarizing, yeah. <laughs> I think, in fairness, I think it was on the money when uh, you said... Uh, Rob was a healer. I can I can already picture Rob the the kind of the co streams we're going to do where you'll be you'll be there as the quantum fiction. I'll be running around a shadow blade yeah. and you'll just be healing I'm me the all the live long day. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> well, hey, we'll we'll see. Um, just to wind the clock back a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, Rob, you, you're giving away some uh, some ruby passes. I believe you said there. Mm. Uh, I was taking a look at the um, the timeline for big time earlier today and uh, you seem to be in this um, early phase I think it's called the the ruby pass holder phase in your timeline at the moment which is pretty much you know the kind of closed out for really um, are there any indications of when we'll see the or, or when we can expect the the latter stages in that timeline so you know space holders phase and then moving into you know an invite only beta an open beta I think I think the best dates that we can probably give you is Space access is somewhere in fourth quarter, and then the invite-only beta is probably first quarter of 2023. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah. That's probably... So there's stuff that happens between now and then, though, so that's not on the timeline. For example, we just did a an AMA yesterday to answer some community questions on sockets in space, and because we did change some of the, the ways that the space worked and in, in, bolted together and integrated the utility NFTs. And so we released some additional information on that one, um, which was not on the original timeline, but I think in a positive way, we released more information earlier. And 
pretty soon we'll be releasing kind of the rest of the information on the economy. So if you really want to know about the entire upgrading process, um, the, the integration of the token, how that ties into upgrading, most of those questions are going to get answered here in the next couple of weeks. We're really just kind of finalizing the packaging for it. Awesome. And just on, on that note of kind of moving into a new phase and continuing to develop the game, um, we've seen uh, within this past week, of course, uh, Blancos came to Epic Games and there, there's rumblings that, you know, they're, they're looking at uh, getting more Web3 games onto their platform. Um, are there any plans at the moment for, for Big Time to feature on, I mean, not just Epic Games, but kind of any kind of medium platform so you can, you know, appeal to a wider audience? Yeah, we've we've partnered with a couple organizations that I'll just collectively refer to as aggregators. And so with the kind of explosion in the number of Web3 games that's out there, there's a strong desire to have a, a Steam of Web3. Mm. And it's going to look a little bit different with the blockchain component inside of it, but there should be an easy way for people to find a variety of different games that's, that's not just through brute force Googling or word of mouth on Twitter. So we've partnered with a couple of them. Some of their, they're all in various stages. None of them are, are well developed because it's still such a new space and the number of games that have, uh, like an exploding star, like have like risen to prominence and then disappeared over the last 18 months has made some of that stability a little challenging, but we've been around mm -hmm. for a while. So now we're able to partner up and establish more of those long-term relationships. The main thing though, is that honestly open loot, which is the parent to big time is kind of our aspirations. It's, it's studio-esque in our ability to onboard other games. Yeah, that was, that was my follow-up question to that is, um, what could you tell us a little bit about open loot and what role it plays because obviously that overcomes some of what the you know web3 steams are offering with the marketplace and so on so what what is open loot open loot is basically everything that a game needs to come to market besides the actual game development and mm. so if you think about all that goes into a game Besides the actual core game loop, there's a ton. And oftentimes, somewhat tragically, the best game isn't the one that actually like makes it to the end. Because of all those other stumbling blocks, so things like for Web3 games, they have particular challenges with it bouncing the economy, incorporating tokens, um, blockchain in general, loot boxes, marketplace development, marketing, fundraising, all of those things. That's where we can do a lot to help out. And that's the end-to-end -end solution that we try to to bring to whatever game wants to come out under open loot using the model that we provided and were successful with during big time. And so we've yeah. partnered with three games so far, but we're take, we're reviewing game applications every day. And so there's going to be more coming. Fantastic. You, um, you briefly mentioned tokens there. Um, again, kind of looking into your, to your white paper, you mentioned that at some point in the future, there will be a, a, a big time token available after launch. Yeah. Um, are there any, um, kind of inklings at the moment as to what that token might be used for or might or what utility it might offer to the player yeah so the main thing it's going to be used for is upgrading your nfts so let's say you find a level one sword or chess piece that's in the game and you want to upgrade it and make it a more rare item you go out there you find that that level one you bring it back to your forge you combine it with the in-game tokens cook it in there for a few days along with some other ingredients and at the end of that is going to be a more rare version it's going to be that higher level item so it's it's a key ingredient for for upgrading i think it's important to say what it's not there's not going to be an ido there's not going to be an ico you have to play the game in order to get it and then perhaps most importantly it's not tied to governance so 
really, if you want to take a position inside a big time, it's going to come through space. Um, it's not going to come through token. It's that's going to function much more like a in-game currency um, than anything else. Hmm, that's that's interesting. So there's there's another benefit that I could see of guilds in the game is uh, I think when I was speaking to someone at Big Time before, I don't think it was you, but someone I was speaking to was saying about how they want major guilds to buy the biggest spaces and then they can become kind of crafting hubs and, and trading hubs. Is that something you're you're looking at? That sounds like something I would have said, even if it wasn't me. That's, <laughs> that's, good, to, that's good that multiple people at Big Time are saying the same thing. Yeah. So, yes. And broadly speaking... I view guilds in the future as being a large source of the supply of cosmetics inside of big time. So we don't sell any skins ourselves. Like you can't buy a skin from us. They dropped inside the game and then somebody put that on the marketplace on their own volition. Right. That's all from yep. them. It's all player to players. And as that drop, I mean, just by natural supply and demand, there's a finite number of these items out there the number that are going to be out in circulation is going to go down and it's going to be other players or guilds who are putting them on the marketplace. They're really going to become the supply. So when they have big space and are collecting a lot of the tokens, they're going to be the ones who are generating those cosmetics for free to play or, or non guild associated players to, to, to design and or the, they're going to be the demand there. That's going to be their, their customer for lack of a better word. That's kind of how I mm -hmm. view it. Cause we're not the ones selling the skins. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So there's there's one follow-up question I have to that. So uh, you are obviously focused on a um, community experience and a very social experience, which I love because I think MMOs have moved away from that, um, particularly in the last few years. I don't think they've, they've quite realized. World of Warcraft came under so much criticism for it because, you know, in the early days, there were no uh, quality of life tools and people had to just, become communities within the game and then those communities have become like method esports was was a, a wow guild um that built a community so i do really like that but my only worry for big time at the moment or, or one of the the few sort of concerns i had was how group focused it is it, it isn't particularly geared um at single player games and I, 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 a single player gamers and I wondered if it's something that you're looking at and whether there's going to be more solo content um, coming there is that first time user experience like you mentioned is absolutely critical like if you don't have mm. somebody to immediately play with you're like man I'm dying a lot like this is not as <laughs> no. much fun I, was, I mean that was my first time a user experience and we actually did respond quite a bit to that um, added some newbie levels and some newbie dungeons, but yes, I actually I think it's on our timeline. We're gonna roll out more of that solo gameplay that'll be a little bit easier to integrate in some of the additional worlds we're gonna have. But absolutely, it's a big part of where we kind of need to go next to to accommodate mm. single players up to large group players. Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Um, kind of more into your ballpark of being a kind of the guild lead. Um, I'm a massive fan of group gameplay. I think some of my most um, fun experiences in MMOs have been, I don't know if either of you have played Guild Wars 2, but um, the World vs. World PvP was just, that was my life for God, 18 months, two years back in the day, and that, that just engrossed me. And I've never really found um, any uh, kind of multiplayer RPG that's given me a kind of a similar PvP experience. Um, and with Big Time having that kind of focus on guilds, the focus on, guilds, the focus on uh, you know, working with your fellow player, 
are there any plans um, in the future of Big Time to have these really immersive, uh, you know, cohesive PvP experiences where you can really build, you know, strong bonds with um, your guildmates and with the other people that you play with? Yeah. Yeah, for, friendships forged in the heat of battle. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's like a real thing. Like, um, yeah. you know, indefinitely in the future, I would say yes. Um, we've done some internal testing with PvP. I've seen it. It, it. it looks good. It functions well. But the key thing that was was challenging for us is balancing it right. Because um, if you launch hmm. a PvP that's not well balanced, like, like gamers will burn down the metaverse. Um, and so, at least through the timeline that we've released so far, it's it's just going to be a PvE game with improvements to solo gameplay and more worlds and more content to play. But then after that, in terms of where we go next, we're kind of looking for some, some stronger signals from the community. Like, do you want PvP next? Do you want esports next? Do you want VR or console? We have some flexibility in terms of where we go in the future. Um, and we really do kind of listen to our community of what one will be the most important for us to develop next. So kind of on that note, um, how, I know you've said you're flexible there, but kind of how how flexible are you? Are you, are you prepared to say, uh, let's say internally you're thinking, okay, this will be our next development. If you have a, this kind of big um, kind of rush from the community that's like, no, we want this thing next, would you be kind of prepared to uh, shift your, your development direction to kind of cater to what the the player base wants at that moment in time yes <laughs> good <laughs> and, 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 and perfect you know and let me let me let me tell you why that that's a very easy question for us to answer um when i think about what big time did 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 does really well it did really well as you put the user first and we looked at or rather the the founders of the time looked at the the battlefield of of web3 games that are out there and they're like hey there's some problems these are not fun games and they're all built around some sort of play to earn mechanic and it's not really a game it's like a job and there's no, not to take anything away from those games but that's not what your traditional gamer is looking for and so it was like they this need not be mutually exclusive bring that same quality of gameplay into web3 and then give them the ownership part so start with the user first what does the user want what does the user need and i think that the user wanted to own their assets and they want to have a better game in web3 and that's that's always the way it's going to be it's always going to start with the user first so if all of our users are like we want this over we want pvp over anything else um yeah it's going to make that decision pretty easy in my okay mind. Yeah. um if that was an easy question i want to make it harder <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I've so I played a lot of MMOs over the last um, twenty years. So I played quite a few MMOs, and there's always this dichotomy of um, the games that don't listen to their community, and then there's the games that have started to. This is a recent, I think, quite a recent addition um, in in gaming. It's the games that really want to engage with their community more and, and listen to what they want, which is which is great. And I, I think that is the best way to go. However, um, I want to know how do you avoid the game becoming a kind of? Have you ever heard the phrase "a camel is a horse" designed by committee? Um, it's kind of having a, it's having a go at the camel, uh, which isn't fair. But uh, I think the the problem is that sometimes a game can become it, it feels as if it lacks direction when you cater to everything the community wants because the community can still be wrong, even though you've got the wisdom of crowds, they can be wrong, um, and they can think they want something and then you know it, it not be the best for the game. So how do you overcome that? 
yeah, the, the group think temptation is 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 always going to be there. If you're just like, all right, we're going to vote on what we do next, you're going to generally get a decision that's pushed towards immediate. Or probably worse, you're going to end up doing something that's already been done. Somebody's going to be like, I saw this in GTA or I saw this in Fortnite. We should do that. And then you're going to have a game that's like a bits and pieces and it's going to not, it's not going to develop well. One of those things that I think we developed very creatively was the pocket watches. All that being said, how do we avoid it? So the main thing is like as we develop something through the creative process and go out there and we test it, we get the feedback on it. So as we, the developers develop something, we test it internally, we do more testing internally, and then we bring in a small group of players who try that. And then as we release it to these early access pass holders, we take their feedback and then iterate on it and improve on it. So eventually when we do get the global launch of the game, it's going to be a better feedback. But that where that feedback comes from, comes from is like multiple pieces throughout and so that's kind of where the feedback and listening and working with the community really comes into it mm-hmm. um the other part of it is being comfortable answering un- answering uncomfortable questions that's the other part where I'll, go, I'll admit it like the ama i did yesterday was like not fun like this is like uh, this is pretty good like this is not bad but there were some people yesterday who were like like you know saying some pretty tough things about what the, the socket changes were, but it was important that we said it and we were upfront about it. Mm. And you, you, you may not like the changes, although I think they are, they do benefit the user, but what you can't kind of doubt the team for is that we didn't put ourselves out there and we weren't as honest and open and upfront about it as we could have been. And I think mm. gamers appreciate that. What they don't like is not kind of having any, any heads up and then something just gets nerfed away from them and they don't have a reason why. I think that really pisses them off. Yeah, I think not just with gamers, but I think with um, with Web three and blockchain communities in general, where there's there is this increased push for you know transparency and being communicative. I mean, but my part of my role is I'm also the head of content for Atomic Hub, which is a marketplace, and I think we're going through a very similar situation at the moment where we're having to fix one of our systems and. It's a system that our users interact with on a daily basis. You know, every time they access our site and any change you make to it has this full role of one people on one side being like, no, this is terrible. And the other side being like, ah, but I kind of see where you're coming at. And it's just being open and honest and communicative. It's just, it's the best way to overcome that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all coming from, um, from a good place and we all want whatever's best for the respective products that we're working on. Um, just to change the kind of the air of the topic we've got going, I was again <laughs> looking into the white paper. I read a lot of white papers. It's just my, it's the thing I love to do. Um, so big time is built on Ethereum, but it has this, um, what's described on the website as a proprietary vault system, which allows some of those transactions to be conducted using a centralized in-game database rather than the blockchain. Could you, perhaps explain what transactions those are or how that system is more beneficial to the player or to the game in general it's more beneficial to people who are not comfortable with web3 and so if you don't like crypto or nfts or setting up a wallet then you can still take advantage of the quantifiably scarce in-game items that big time has and so those items those nfts that drop inside the game while they're in the game and on the marketplace they're technically off-chain almost like a layer zero solution. And that vault technology you said is, you allows you to mint those items onto a variety of different chains when you wanna move it outside the game. So if you don't wanna do that, then you don't have to. 
But the idea is that we created an ecosystem that's much more accessible for people who have no understanding of Web3. And I think that's a large portion of the Web2 community. Like, I, I don't know if you remember setting up your wallet for the first time. It probably was not pleasant. It kind of sucks. And it's kind of mm -hmm. terrifying. And a lot of people have not entered into Web3. Web3 games, because because of that. And so for us, we just made it very easy to get in there. And then with with that, with the fact that those transactions are off market, or excuse me, off chain, it, uh, it allows things like credit card purchases and bank deposits, which is much more accessible, familiar system that we think is just gonna give us a much larger player base. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I know some games have come under criticism for doing things off chain. Um, there's, there's still, uh, people are still trying to find their feet in Web3 um, in, in all areas and blockchain gaming is no different and, it, and we're still trying to work out what to put on chain and what not to. Have you come under any criticism about centralizing some of this when it's, you know, meant to be decentralized? Um, a little bit, but not so much because I think when we articulate why we why we do it, people get it. Mm. And especially when you kind of recall like your first time setting up a wallet, it's kind of terrifying. And imagine if yeah. you just want to try out a game. It's like, oh, I want to try it out. Like you're saying, I got to set up a wallet and deposit this and why why do i have to attach this to my chrome browser what is this extension just to play a game yeah. it gets confusing and so the idea is that we think we're, we're probably closer to like a web 2.5 game in that we think we're going to do a lot to build more trust in web 3 and once people start using these nfts and it's a seamless part of their of their gaming life and they're going to like the rest of the stuff that also comes along with web 3. Mm. yeah, yeah I, I like the idea of web 2.5 games because I, I think I, I write a lot about the metaverse and uh, some of the, the problems people have in terms of the vision for it and the technology not quite being there and uh, John and I talk about onboarding all the time yeah. uh, and it, it's so it's so difficult to get right in blockchain gaming and you're you, I mean you're absolutely right there's already resistance and friction with traditional gamers and Web3 gaming and if they have to go through setting up a custodial wallet and writing down keys and, and everything I mean you've lost them before before they've even tried your game no matter how good it is you're not getting them through the door so uh, yeah yeah fully agree on that one humans have a bias towards the status quo generally something can be almost twice as good as the original and they don't want to change it and so mm. can we realistically build a game that's twice as better twice as good as World of Warcraft to get them to try out a game with blockchain involved it's Probably, probably not. Um, don't get me wrong. I think we build an incredible game, but to to say that the the answer to onboarding more people into blockchain games is to is to raise those barriers even higher, I think is somewhat counterintuitive when you phrase that phrase it that way. But nonetheless, mm. I think that is how the problem works. And like years from now, when every game has blockchain in, involved in it, and everybody is as familiar with setting up a wallet as they are with checking their on um, their their bank account or checking account on their phone and i think it's a bit of a different discussion but for right now we need to get that population in there we need to grow this gaming size community because web 2 games by by daily and monthly active users is several orders of magnitude bigger than any web 3 game that's out there right now and let's let's go fix those problems let's go let's bring in these new people mm. kind of down that line of thinking what do you think is or would cause the um, the biggest kind of influx of gamers moving from traditional games to Web three? Is it uh, you know one amazing game like 
we hope big time will be that just you know want gallivants all of these web 2 players to come check out web 3 is it or or is part of it education is part of it you know getting people more familiar with web 3 is it just making onboarding easier or is it just a mix of all of those i think it's i think it's all of those i don't think any one thing is going to cause the is going to cause that uh, that barrier to come down in one fell swoop but i would say it's going to be ease education and um and uh, and then a bad experience in Web two. So ease, education, and a bad experience in Web two. So it's got to be easier. It's got to be easier to, to make a wallet, to own your assets, to move them around. Education, you got to understand what the benefits are. Realize, hey, it's not all a Ponzi scheme. It's not all about like somebody trying to take you for take you for uh, take you for a run. They're they're there. It this stuff actually gives more power back to you as a player, as an individual. You can actually claw back your data from big scary corporations. And put by putting those items on chain, you you take that control of your life and your experience even more. And then finally, I think some people are going to need a bad experience in Web two. Um, something is going to happen, you know, probably where people are going to be like, "Man, either my data or my ice uh, items or assets got wiped or something like that." Man, I really wish I owned that. And they're going to get frustrated, and that's where they're going to kind of look at what are the advantages of what blockchain or Web three in general can do for them. They're going to be like, "I'm going to make the jump now." I think those three things: ease, education, and a bad experience in Web two. Mm. It's interesting. the The bad experience in Web two, I think, is probably the most difficult of them of them all. And I wonder if it will be a case of. I think we've become numb to a lot of these bad experiences. I mean, yeah. I have whinged countless times about games I've bought, and then that there's a game I mentioned on when we interviewed Michael Rubinelli of Wax Studios. Uh, there is a game that I bought, which I've never been able to refine, but it was made, it was made by Sony Entertainment and it was an FPS and uh, I really enjoyed it and I bought a load of microtransactions and then they said, oh, we're shutting the game down. We didn't get enough players and I mean, my money just went with it. So I've had a lot of those experiences and I've become a little bit numb to them. And I wonder if it's necessary that we have a really, you know, perhaps something big, in web 2 happening like a real cataclysmic event like Fortnite removing a lot of skins or something or whether we just need um more examples of web 3 doing it right and people seeing the benefits which i mean i think i think the latter is more likely but it's also going to be much slower and i don't think there's any way around that but i mean i just i don't know how we can get use cases in front of people other than just time and keep putting the games out and i think yeah as you say i think education is key relative deprivation is a powerful motivator and Mm. generally speaking the word of mouth is going to be about 10 times as effective as any marketing or advertisement you're ever going to get so i think honestly a big part of it is people like yourselves you show that you're going to be playing a game and you're own you're able to own and trade your assets like it's nothing and I love talking mm. with Fortnite people because I'm like, you guys should love blockchain. Like, why? Like, why would you yeah. not? I was like, you you buy all of these chains, and almost the worst thing you could do is buy a skin while you're trying to save up for another skin. It's like you buy a ten dollar mm. one, then a twenty dollar one, then a hundred dollar one. It's like all well, those those ones you bought before are just hanging out in the digital closet, and you can't do anything with them. And imagine if you just resold mm. it, or if you tell that to a parent that's been like swiping the credit card for their kids, they're going to be like, yes, I I totally get that. I am all i will do nothing that i can't resell at the end i think it makes sense to them but a lot Mm. of it is just going to come from people playing the games and being like hey this is this is good this isn't like a get rich quick ponzi scheme i'm playing this because it's a good game come try it out and i think that will do a lot to 
hit that inflection. I'd never quite thought about uh, NFTs in uh, an MMO in particular in that way. And the fact that, you know, going back when I was playing WoW or Final Fantasy or Guild Wars or whatever it is, the exact same thing would happen to me with cosmetics. And I think I purchased less cosmetics because of it. I'd always look at something cool and think, I really want that, but if I go to this dungeon, I'm going to get something cooler or, you know, at this level, I'll get this cool. And you just, kind of, me personally, I kept moving on and moving on. And I ended up not really getting involved in cosmetics because I can never recoup that value. You know, I would use one cosmetic for a week and then, ooh, flashy new thing. And then, ooh, flashy new thing. And it just kind of turned me off it entirely. But I think that was something that in Web3 where, you know, if I had a cosmetic and then was able to trade it on a on a marketplace would really get me to interact with that system more. And the same with mounts or, you know, any, any of these other, you know, cosmetic heavy systems in, in MMOs, I think it will entice players like me and I'm sure many others to interact with these systems more often because there is more inherent value in uh, in interacting with them. Um, going back to, um, to the gameplay, um, Big Time uses procedurally generated um, instances and uh, you know as someone who has run you know sunken temple black rock depths thousands of times copper bell mines in final fantasy more times than i can think um having a procedurally generated dungeon to me is far more appealing than having the same static dungeon i run through six times an hour over and over and over again so what do you think um, that uh, with dungeons being such kind of a or instances rather being such a core part of the gameplay, what do you think that adds to the player experience? There's a couple things. Um, that's th- this is a good one because this is like multi-part. So I, I want to first start off with it limits cheating, um, it limits botting, because each time that there's a new dungeon and they're located in different places, it actually significantly reduces the ability for somebody to program something that can just like cheat and farm their way through because it's different every time. Uh, unless they make a like a sentient AI platform, in which case we're screwed anyways. Um, so it does a lot for to prevent anti-cheating. Um, number two keeps the content fresh. So it's essentially nobody has run through every possible dungeon inside a big time. The layout, the loot, the enemy on the inside each time is different. So it's a fresh experience every single time that you run through it. And then uh, number three like it's it, it makes it exciting i think like as you go through it you're like i maybe i dropped into a dungeon before this um but uh it's now my chance of like finding an nft or a different like cool in-game item is is totally it's totally reset every single time it's like rolling a dice you know it's what you do, what you roll on this di- on this time it has nothing to do with what happened the previous time so if you're looking for in-game stuff and you want it to be cool um that keeps that experience fresh and new for you. That's, I mean, that's a that's a good answer. But particularly with the botting, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Botting is a big problem, particularly with dungeons, because of the layout. I mean, you can just key map almost, uh, and, and in the yeah. simplest way, like botting in the in the most simple way uh, can still be effective. Uh, there is one question that I must ask because, uh, as you know, we have a streamer, a token gamer called Super Dope. And he plays big time a lot and is a big fan of it. And uh, he had two questions and they're basically, they're similar. So one is about whether you will add quests into the open world. So there's more to do in the open world because uh, most of it's uh, instance at the moment. And two, is there um, going to be storyline story implemented into the gameplay, which kind of you know ties in with the quest as well, I guess? Yeah, yes and yes. So number one is 
there will be quests and an ability to interact more substantially with the lore in our next world, which is Epic City. It's, a, it's an entirely different world, which we have a different name for it inside the game, but for you know, for people who are not as familiar, it's like a different world. It looks different. It's a different style of gameplay. There's more of these individual type quests, and additionally, it allows you to um, do things besides just like combat and orientation so the gameplay will be pretty different and each time we release a new world we've got like four or five worlds lined up over the next couple years um the gameplay will be very different each time it's not just going to be more iterations of what you can currently do the second part is the lore i i struggle with the lore because we have a, like a novel written about the whole lore of mm. big time where all these different characters tie in and then how we release these additional worlds and unfortunately we just can't go public with all of it right now it's like i mean like like physically speaking it's like stored on my computer which is like just outside a camera like right here um mm. it's like right there but yes there is a ton of lore stuff about how it ties in with the time the time travel the personal pocket universe the different styles of gameplay all of that is pretty intricately woven together and the, it ties into the non the, the, the non-playable characters that you interact with. That is coming. I don't have a good date for when more of that storyline comes out with. I would guess it's going to be somewhere in between that space access and the invite-only beta. So probably by like first quarter of next year, I think there's going to be a lot more of the lore for people to, to sink their teeth into. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. Fantastic. Well, I hope Superdope's happy with those. Uh, with those answers. Yeah, I think uh, I've been watching a bit of Superdope play it on stream. He's um, he's been he's been loving the game so far, and it, it, I've yet to play it on stream. I have played it off stream, um, but I am very much looking forward to to sharing big time more with um, with our followers and you know getting reviews out, getting that content because I think it really is it's unique when it comes to Web three games at the moment and. I think both me and Rob, we've talked about, you know, really cool trading card games that have NFTs in them at the moment, or really cool, you know, games in other genres, but there's nothing that scratches that kind of, that RPG multiplayer itch in this Web3 space right now, quite like Big Time does, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to playing more and more of it. I, I think before we head into the uh, kind of the softer outro outro s questioned or heading towards an exit let's let's hit you with the the last kind of big one um which would be what do you think is the biggest problem in blockchain gaming now and we've talked a bit about you know play to earn versus playing for fun and uh you know onboarding etc but what do you think is the biggest problem right now and how do you think we go about fixing it the, the number one problem i have with blockchain gaming right now is trust from non-players that's that's the biggest thing like when i reach out to you like a twitch streamer who plays like valorant or something like that a substantial portion of them as soon as they hear the term nft or blockchain are like don't care don't want to listen to it anymore um that's that's externally facing um i would say the the biggest problem i have in with blockchain gaming right now is that there is a strong emphasis on play to earn and that has dwarfed the the game part the play part and I think games have suffered accordingly, and I think a lot of users have suffered accordingly because of that. And I, uh, I'm somewhat boomer-esque in my thinking that a game should be played for fun. 
And if you want to earn and own stuff on it, it should be an optional part. It should not be a required part. And I think that's that's super important for onboarding new users. But also, I think a lot of people have tried to sell some snake oil with with play to earn games and some some perfect tokenomics that they just tweak some little things and they got it just right. Now everybody can be a millionaire by playing their game. I think I think a lot of people have had really bad experiences with that, and it's done a lot of a lot of bad press, honestly, for for the rest of the blockchain community. So that's my that's my biggest problem with with blockchain gaming right now. So uh, before we get to these soft questions, I'm going to chuck in one more curveball because because it's eleven like fifty-two. Night. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe I'm grumpier at night. I don't know who knows. Um, so you are creating a Web three game, which is you know uh, this early on in in Web three gaming is, is tremendously difficult. Um, but you're also creating an MMO, and John and I love MMOs as, as we've we've said a number of times, and. I, I am. I will. I can't see myself loving a genre of game more than MMOs for the rest of my life. I've, you know, I've always found they've scratched that uh, addictive part of my brain. And there is one obvious problem with MMOs, and that is they fail so often. I mean, we, we've seen studios with billions of dollars behind them, and they just can't seem to capture it quite right. And what you're doing right now by creating what I, I believe looks to be a triple A MMO. I mean, there's in terms of the fluidity of gameplay, uh, the art style, the graphics uh, as a whole, uh, everything looks triple A to me. But at the heart of it, you're still creating a Web3 MMO, which has got to be the hardest challenge in game development right now. So uh, why? What, how, how? How and why? I've, I've left the best of last. I really have. It's good. It's a good question. I feel like anytime you go into the MMO territory, you're inevitably trying to like come toe to toe with World of Warcraft, um, which mm. is, I don't know, non quantifiably, it's probably the most famous game of all time. It's up there, you know, probably mm. between that and Pokemon. Um, I think a part of it was we thought that the MMO audience and that style of user would most benefit from blockchain and ownership. That's a big part of it. The other part of it is, if you look at kind of what Open Loot is doing, we have a variety of different games, and that's we also think like more systemically like that. So mm. within Open Loot, we also have a racing game, we have a a, a tank battle royale game, um, we're gonna have a first person shooter game as well. So like Open Loot will be quite well balanced. Big time is first though. Um, and I think it was, we just, we tried to do something different. I, mm. can you think, so you, we, we can all name good Web 2 style MMO games, but can you tell me a good Web 3 MMO style game? It's a lot. No, that's part of my, that's part of the problem though. (laughs) Exactly. But there are more types of the other types of games. People have tried to develop FPSs Mm. and racing games or card games, like you mentioned inside of Web 3, but people kind of shied away from the challenge of building a Web 3 MMO. And that's, that's kind of where we wanted to go. Okay. Part of it because it was like, oh wow, nobody's even going to try and step up to the plate here. Yeah, I mean, someone has to, and it's it's hard, but the rewards are there. And I fully agree with you that I think um, I've, I think I wrote an article about this in about 2018, saying uh, that MMOs are one of the genres that stand the most to, like to gain the most from from blockchain technology, particularly with the way that you know loot drops, rare loot drops. And on that note, uh, I was on Twitter earlier, and I don't know if you paid this guy, but he is doing work for you because he. <laughs> 
uploaded a clip and he's in a dungeon with some friends and an nft drops and he got the big uh nft drop animation and sound and stuff and i just think it's so well done it's it's got it's got that thing where you you, it just keeps you wanting to grind until you get an nft drop so uh yeah high five on that one (laughs) is he a big buff guy scott or the buffer the buffesser i say i don't think i don't think it was him um i can't remember i didn't follow him it's just because i interact with so much big time stuff twitter was ramming it down my throat um but i appreciate it because it was really good content but yeah i love that nft drop thing if they posted it on twitter we didn't pay him no i i I was being a bit (laughs) totally serious yeah yeah yeah. no no totally (laughs) no but i mean i want people to know that like i didn't we didn't pay for any we didn't pay for a single one of those posts none like there are some people who play big time on our on our twitch but that's it um yeah Everybody else is like, that is organic. Because part of it, too, is like, Web3 people can smell a shill. They can really smell it. Um, especially now. Yeah, especially especially now. So if they go on there and they're like, big time, best Web3 web game, best good times. Like, they're, everybody's going to be like, no. And, but it's much, yeah. it goes a lot farther if people do it organically. So it's like, all right, we'll just make a game that's that's actually enjoyable. Yeah, 100%. And, and I'm sick of shilling in this space. I think we all are, but 50 ruby passes on tokengamer.io. Right, should we, uh, should we do some of these, uh, these softball questions now we've asked some of the hard stuff? I'm ready. Yeah, let, let's go, go into those. So, um, fairly easy one, but um, other than big time, of course, um, what, what kind of blockchain NFT-enabled games are on your radar in the space? Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> Not not a softball. That's not a softball. They're gonna know we're watching them. I'd be like, my gut instinct is like none. We we fear nobody. We fear nobody. Um, um, uh, Web three games I really like right now. I obviously um, uh, Alluvium, Star Atlas, Axie Infinity. Kind of continue to watch them, each for very different reasons. Uh, like the Star Atlas, mm-hmm. uh, spaceships is is beautiful uh, alluvium has had some incredible trailers and they're doing some very innovative stuff uh axie when i kind of think of like it as sky mavis like they just kind of continue to develop and iterate and so um i, th- I you know i think they're going to continue rolling out some stuff but I-, I watch pretty much any major game that's coming out awesome yeah so um when when listeners to this podcast or players of uh, of big time think big time in the head what do you hope they think, or, or what images do you are you hoping they think of? I think I I, th- I hope that their first reaction is that looks fun. I want to try that. I think that's I, I think it's very very simple. We want them to try it, and then I think that they that's like their initial reaction we want from any trailer, and then any additional research from thirty seconds to like an hour onwards, they're going to be like, I really want to play this game. Um, for all the other reasons we've described. I want them to like get their attention be like, I've never seen something like this before, and now I've done some research, now I really want to play. Cool. I think that was the yeah. first thing that struck me about uh, Big Time, funnily enough. Um, I, I saw a clip of it, I was like, I want to play that. <laughs> that mm. looks like it's right down my alley. Um, Rob, do you have any any quick fires you want to throw out? Um no, but they would be difficult. I want you to know they would have been difficult if it wasn't midnight. Who knows? I might have had let's, something else. Let's do some, let's do some quirky and usual ones. Um, if you could give one piece of advice, doesn't have to be about gaming, doesn't have to be about Web three. Um, to our listeners, what would it be? 
these, so these aren't as easy as I as I put them across to be. Oh man, uh, never sleep with wet socks at night. That'll probably take you pretty far. Um, <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, uh, always tip your waiters. Um, if you're trying to get involved with a Web3 project, make sure you trust the team. They have good experience and you believe in what they're doing and it's got to be doing something different. Um, don't bet on the Jets for football. Man, I'm trying to hit as much, <laughs> like, quick stuff. Like, what, what can you take with you forever? Um, There's not many times where you get advice about Web3 and Trenchfoot. In the same, you know, in the same piece of advice. And, I mean, and that's, football. So uh, yeah, you, you've covered a, a broad spectrum there. That's good. I hope and, that and, somebody and, like years from now reaches out and they're like, "Hey, I was going through a tough spot in my life. I was in a trench." Mm. And yeah, then real wet I socks. just remembered. Yeah, I remembered. I was listening to a Web three gaming podcast, and I was like, "You know what? That random guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my socks off." <laughs> out, out of interest, what was your first MMO? Honestly, I was not so much of an MMO player until I started playing Big Time. In terms of like substantial amount of time playing, Big Time is the only MMO I've really, really played. Um, for mm. me, oh God, I hate it. I kind of hate answering this question because it dates me. But like my formative games when I was growing up was obviously Pokemon, Zelda, um, Halo, and Super Smash Brothers. Um, and each very different kind of like styles of gameplay. They're very individual up to like um, Super Smash Brothers, which for me will always be about the memories of like playing with other people. And you can see some of those mechanics inside of Big Time and that really does appeal to me. Yeah, that definitely puts you in my age bracket rather than John's, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were, you were selling this, what was that random PS2 cosmetic-looking thingy you've talked about on the podcast before, Rob? That dates you more than Smash Bros. I don't even know what you're referring to. It's like Gabe... Oh, we'll, we'll that shows my age. I can't, I can't even remember what you're talking about. I'm so old. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it afterwards. But anyway, um, b- before we wrap it up, um, Matt, anything... Uh, is there anything to add from your side or anywhere or any websites any socials that you would like our listeners to go and check out if for some reason you're not fortunate enough to get one of the ruby passes from the fantastic people i've been chatting with here for for the next hour um check out our twitter and check out our twitch we do giveaways pretty frequently through the two of those things honestly ruby passes are for people who are going to play the game like it's not how much money you have it's not who you know if you if you want to play the game then we're going to be able to get you inside the game. And that's generally the conduit that we use that use it for. So either Twitter or Twitch. Um, but again, I, I can't, I'll, I'm going to help show here. Check out your guys' website, go get a Ruby pass there, start playing the game. We'd love to have you guys in there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I think that is, uh, is everything from, from us, Rob. So, um, so Matt, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure and I am looking forward to playing some more big time for sure. So um, thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, hopefully we can talk to you again soon sometime. Fantastic. Love it, guys. Thank you so much. This has been a very enjoyable AMA. Way better, way more enjoyable than some of the ones in recent memory. But thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to chatting again. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. All right, guys. Okay, thank you very much to Matt for giving his time to be on episode 39. And as I just said to you, Rob, I think that's possibly um, one of the better episodes we've done so far. It was a really nice flowing discussion. Matt was a great guy to talk to. And yeah. it's nice to just get three MMO nerds in a circle talking about all the oh, cool things we like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it, isn't it, really? Like, I, I'm happy to talk to anyone about MMOs. So, 
Uh, but, but usually that gets you shunned on the bus. So it's nice to have a, a platform to, to do it. But yeah, Matt, Matt was such a great guest. Um, uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed that episode. That was, that was good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing some more big time for sure. Mm. Um, Rob, where can we find you? You can find me on tokengamer.io where we post daily blockchain gaming news, reviews, um, interviews, everything, lots and lots of different types of content. And then um, YouTube for slash Token Gamer News, which is uh, video content where we're posting uh, stream highlights and uh, other bits and pieces. Uh, what is series where we look at games in depth from a sort of a beginner's perspective. Uh, then we have twitch.tv forward slash Token Gamer, which is Jonah, uh, super dope, who is playing a lot of big time, actually. Uh, I'm not sure what he was playing today. I think he was doing a very controversial tier list um, of blockchain games, which always goes down well. So he was doing that. Um, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, as I shield several times, we're doing a giveaway of uh, 50 Ruby passes. So if you want to play big time, uh, enter that. Uh, yeah, 50 passes for free entry into the beta. Uh, I think that's everything. Where can people find you, Mr. John? So, Mr. John, oh, mm. I've gone up in title. Um, other than Squire John or, or whatever the medieval term you want to call me. Anyway, Squire's worse than Mr. Uh, I'd be uh, suggesting you're my Squire, which which would be... Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. I mean, that. you're welcome to Squire for me. <laughs> I haven't got I mean, much call for it. But. I think as we establish in, the, uh, in this podcast, you're the healer, so I think the power dynamics are mm. already... Yeah, that's true. Already you, you can't be the roguey class. I, I need you to be like a tanky dude at the, on the front line if I'm going to heal you I'm not I'm not healing some guy who's sitting in stealth come on now that's true hey when there's when there's some uh, some big old you know bosses and dungeons and bit we definitely need to play big time together at some point I think we'll make great yep. content anyway for, for yeah sorry for, for, rather than us rambling for where you can find um, you can find me and what I do it's nftinsider.io for the latest nft news we've been talking about all sorts of stuff it's been a very busy week in web3 um, as I said in the pod Blancos on Epic um, there's about eight esports orgs have partnered with uh, Guild of Guardians. Oh god, there's so much stuff that's that's gone on. Um, newsletter from us, interviews from us, all that cool stuff. And um, it's NFT Insider underscore IO on Twitter and Instagram. Those are our two most prominent socials. Giveaways, retweets, fun stuff. There you go. For me personally, it's at Hydropowered H Y D R O P W R D on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse, and all those other fantastic platforms. Um, Twitter would be the best one for daily tweets, although I am now streaming every Wednesday. Um, I was hoping to stream today. We're recording this on Tuesday. The uh, Blockchain Ballers open beta was supposed to go live, but here there's a delay. So, fingers crossed, uh, by the time, uh, well, I think by the time this is live, you'll have already seen me streaming uh, Blockchain Ballers, but there we go. Um, and that is, I believe, everything from me. So, Rob, anything to add? No. Okay, good. Episode 39 <laughs> of the Mint One Podcast. Guys, thank you very much for watching. If you want to just on YouTube, like and subscribe would be fantastic. Um, hit the bell icon, be notified of our latest videos, and leave a comment with uh, people you'd like us to uh, to interview, topics you want us to discuss, all that good stuff. And if you're on Spotify or Apple, a five-star podcast review would be amazing. Um, so there we go. Thank you very much for watching, and we hope you tune in again next week. Mm-hmm.